In this episode of the Business of E-Commerce, I talk with Michael Jammin about how to tell your brand story. This is a Business of E-Commerce, episode 137. Welcome to the Business of E-Commerce, the show that helps e-commerce retailers start, launch, and grow the e-commerce business. I'm your host, Charles Kowalski, and I'm here today with Michael Jammin. Michael is the Director of Communications and Marketing at Twirly Girl, where using his knowledge of storytelling to his wife's clothing brand, he helped grow Twirly Girl into a multi-million dollar brand. I asked Michael on the show today to talk about how to tell your brand story. So hey, Michael, how are you doing today? So hey, Michael, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, awesome to have you on the show. I love talking about brand and kind of this is a little more like higher level than some of the topics. I feel like sometimes folks are very, you know, tactical in the weeds, like SEO content, like that sort of thing. But it's always nice to kind of zoom up a little bit and think kind of a little bit higher level from a strategy perspective. Yeah. Um, That's the difference between selling a product and selling your brand. Yeah. I think people start with the product at first, you know. You start with selling, you have to sell a product, right, to get something off the ground. But at some point, you might have competitors come into the space. You might have, you know, and even if you don't have a direct competitor, you're always competing against something else, right? They could always just go and spend their money on another type of product, right? So it might not be exactly your product, but it could be something in that space. So first, actually real quick about your product. So you guys, it's Twirly Girl. It's, is it dresses themselves or kind of, can you describe the product for people kind of listening? Yeah, they're, uh, they're, twirly dresses for girls so they were many of them are reversible they're very high quality they're made in the in america so our price point's a little higher and we focus on quality not uh not when it's not cheap kind of disposable clothing so that was kind of the obstacle we had to get over when we first got into the business so how do we how do we show people that these dresses cost they cost more and why why they're worth more what's the price point that you guys sell at uh, our lowest dress is non-reversible, and it's uh, it's actually it's usually around forty-eight dollars. But our reversible dresses can be eighty or you know, eighty-five dollars. It depends on the dress, but they're because they're twice as many, you know, twice as. So eighty, eighty-five, and this before what age? About they started twelve months, and they go up to uh, six, you know, young teenagers. Okay, you know, 14, 16, this, yeah. this twelve months, you're all twirling around. They're not twirling. <laughs> they don't do much <laughs> twirling at that age. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's definitely a high price point, right? If you are, yeah, you know, I'm thinking of, I have a uh, two and a half year old at home um, and she goes through clothes like, you know, rips, falls down, that sort of thing. So these yeah, are so like nicer. Yeah, they get a little older, it makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. So what are the competitors kind of selling at? Well, it depends. I mean, you can go to Walmart and you can get something that'll fall apart in 10 minutes and you could spend $15 on it. And so some people are like, well, why, why would I get this dress? when I can get, you know, four of them at Walmart, it's like, but yeah, but the quality, you can't compare the quality. So, uh, that's, that's what hangs people up. So that was how we, the messaging is important. And that comes with, you know, creating your brand is like, is what are you really selling? So we're not really selling dresses. We're selling something. You're not, you're not competing with Walmart. It's not the person that deciding I'm going to drive into Walmart yeah. and buy, you know, 10 for a hundred bucks or, one of the like you're not then no one's making that decision in their head yeah i mean some people get hung up on prices like well okay you're not our customer so you got to speak to who you're fine you got to figure out who your customer is and speak to them and not worry about speaking to everybody because everyone's not your customer so how do you start this problem so when you first realize that right you realize okay we want to sell at a high price point we're not competing on price but how do you start even positioning yourself to even 
understand the brand? Like, or does it go the other way? You start with the brand and go down. So uh, Totally Girl started in 2007. My wife wanted to make our daughters just a special gift because she didn't have a happy childhood. So she just wanted to have them to have something like to remember, you know, have a, just a great memory. So she took some sewing classes and she came up with a design for reversible dresses and, and she spared no expense because why would she? It was a, it was a gift. And so the girls loved it and they wore it to school. Then soon other kids wanted the same thing. And the parents were like, well, you know, will you make one for my daughter? And, and my wife's like, yeah, but it's going to cost money because I don't, I'm not skimping. I'm, you know, I'm trying to make something special here. And they're like, no, no, we get it. We see it. And so that's how kind of Twirly Girl started. And, and then stores found, local stores found one. Well, one of the, a local store found them and they ordered a bunch. And, <clears throat> and the next thing you know, the orders were so high, we had to hire contractors downtown LA to sell them for us because you couldn't do it all. And so, and then we put up a website and then that's, it kind of just grew organically, but it was about how to get out. It was how to explain to people why, uh, you know, why they are worth so much. And at first I was doing it wrong. I have no background at the time in e-commerce or sales or marketing or retail or fashion. I knew nothing. I was just, uh, just wanted to help her. And so I was focusing on kind of the features of the dress as well, how it's made, the stitching it's made in America. And I was just selling all that and no one really cared. But I started listening to our customers and listening to my wife, really. And it was about people would say, oh, yeah, this my, my daughter loves this. She's going to remember this dress forever. Or, or I remember my childhood dress. And it's a special it was a special dress like this. And I was like, oh, it kind of occurred to me after a couple of years that we weren't selling dresses. We were selling happy childhood memories. And that changed the marketing entirely. So I even I even uh, run some ads on Facebook. I don't even show the dresses. Because I'm not selling dresses. I'm selling happy childhood memories and they convert. And so that changes everything in terms of our email marketing, our ads, uh, how we talk to our customers on the website, and, you know, order confirmation pages, everything. And that's why. So when you start talking about selling a memory, the price is a whole different, like price is almost not a factor. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. Like Seth, Seth Godin, he's a big shop marketer. He always talks about the reason why your customer only cares about price is because you're not giving them anything else to care about. Yes. And I think that's exactly right. So we don't compete on price and I don't have to, I'm the only one selling these dresses. No one comes even close to us and, and we're not selling dresses anyway. We're selling happy childhood memories. So how do you get that across though to a, to in marketing copy? Like how do you get the brand to actually say a childhood memory? Is it all kind of imagery of, like I'm picturing like a girl in the park, you know, kind of that sort of thing. Uh, I have a bunch of ads and you're welcome. I, I may have sent you links. Maybe, maybe you'll post them, but we make people can watch. So they're videos and we, I, we, I write them and I shoot them and you'll see, I, so I associate Twirly Girl with other happy childhood memories. So cardboard, rocket ships, birthday parties, uh, fairies, magic. And so I bring up all these other memories and we're just, I lump them in. And so when we talk about the, when we do our advertising, we really kind of speak to the customer or the voice that we speak to the customer is basically Willy Wonka selling dresses. So it's a little crazy. It's a little naughty. It's very, it's a, uh, it's a little magical and nuts and people totally respond to that. So even on, on Facebook where you do a lot of ads, everyone loves it. You know, our commercials get shared a lot. That's so we get a lot of organic traffic and I get a comment often get a comment is like, uh, Oh, I wish I had a daughter. So, and, and I don't respond. You know, I think other brands would respond with, Oh, thank you. That's very kind of you. But I don't. My response to when they say, I wish I had a daughter was, I'm sorry. Uh, we don't accept wishes here. All wishes must be submitted in writing to the Department of Branding Wishes. Sorry, <laughs> exception. 
And and people love that. You can see they laugh on they, they and they write back to me on that because like I'm just giving it to them a little bit. I'm talking the way uh, Gene Wilder did in, in in Willy Wonka, which was you know he was a little nuts, <laughs> and that's why it was so great. That's why it was such a great movie, and they love that. So if you talk to them in that voice, they talk back. If you talk to them in our in a regular voice, it's just it's just boring. Yeah. So did you? You have a writing background though, right? Like this, this is something that I feel like doesn't come natural to most people. Like finding that, like just finding that unique voice, like, Hey, most people, we received your inquiry. We'll go back to you in three to six. Like, yeah, exactly. Right. So my background is, uh, I've been a TV writer for 25 years. So I've written on shows, uh, just shoot me King of the Hill, Beavis and Butthead, uh, out of practice, rules of engagement, Marin, Wilfred, like I got a long resume. And so that's my background. And that's how I could help my wife was basically I, I could tell stories. That's the only thing I knew how to do. No, I had no other training. So I figured, well, let's just tell stories everywhere I can go and see what kind of response we get. And it turns out that's called marketing. I just didn't know it at the time. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. I think most people, I, it's makes me think back to the original iPod ad, right? Where everyone else at the time was selling the iPod was against like like mini disc and all these like MP3 players. And they would debate on how many gigs of storage, that sort of thing. And it was just like war on like, you know, pay this price for, you know, 200, two gigs of storage or whatever it was back in the day. And Apple came out with this um, ad showing like a girl just running down the street, listening to music, basically. Didn't they talk about no stats, nothing, no price, like literally nothing. But you just kind of got that like fail of like, oh, I want to I want to do that. I want to like be there, like carefree running down the street. Right. Yeah. And they, I mean, no one does marketing better than Apple. Yeah. You and you make him and that's kind of that's kind of this brand, right? So you're just, you're, you're showing the person how they're going to use the product, how they're going to, or even higher level, how they're going to feel when they use the product. And yeah, that's the story you're telling. Feel is right. It's about creating an emotional connection. So that's the exact right word. Yeah. How do you do this though? So I feel like this is a product that is perfect for this, right? Like, you know, like you can picture how it's used in this way. How yeah, but I didn't know that when I started I'm telling you, when I started off, I thought we were doomed because our <laughs> product was expensive and our customer is not our end user. So yeah. little girls don't carry credit cards. So how am I going to, how do I advertise to little girls? Well, and you know, so even if a mom or a grandmother wants to buy it, they're not going to buy it today. They got to figure out what the girl's size is, what her favorite color is. So it's a longer cycle. So I thought all those reasons that you think our brand is perfect for her, I thought were just the obstacles were going to keep us from ever being successful. So you're looking at exactly the opposite way of these. Uh, instead of these being all like good things, these are all hurdles from your perspective. Yeah. And yeah. everyone, I think everyone who's in business feels the same way, which is like, ah, yeah, but my business is different. And it's like, yes, your business is different, but that doesn't mean you can't be successful. You know? Today's episode is sponsored by Drip. Drip is the world's first e-commerce CRM and a tool that I personally use for email marketing and automation. Now, if you're ever in an e-commerce store, you need to give Drip a try, and here's why. Drip offers one-click integrations for both Shopify and Magento. There's robust segmentation, personalization, and revenue dashboards to give you an overview of how your automation emails are performing. One of my favorite features of Drip is the Visual Workflow Builder. It gives you a super easy way to build out your automation world visually and see the entire process. It lets you get started quickly, but also build very complex automation roles. It's powerful, but also easy to learn, unlike a lot of email tools that offer the same type of automation. To get a demo of Drip today, you can go head over to drip.com slash BOE. That's drip.com slash BOE. Now onto the show. Let's say someone's selling a boring product or products that's more commoditized, right? 
what would you say to that sort of person on maybe they are okay. cheaper or just boring, you know? That's a great question. So you, I always think about like, okay, what are you selling? And then what are you really selling? So Trolley Grove sells dresses. What are we really selling? Happy childhood memories. But take, take like tires. Autom- like tires are pretty boring. You put them on a car and you talk about the specs of the tire or the width, the tread or whatever. But a good tire company is not selling tires. They're selling safety because that car will break. If your car, you know, it could stop on a dime in the rain or whatever. That's what, the, that, that's what, car com- that's what tire companies sell usually is safety. Unless it's on a high end thing and then it's like uh, speed, maybe you're performance. Or speed yeah. and performance, right? But if I, you know, for a family and it's a station wagon or whatever, you're selling safety because you'll spend, it doesn't matter if that, if that tire costs $25 more than a regular tire, a competing tire, but you have a family, you'll spend the money to protect your kids. It's like money's no issue. You'll spend, you'll find the extra $25, you know? Yeah. And that, and that's true, right? When you have a family, you start caring about those things versus back in college, I drove around tires that were, you know, completely smooth and the rain, you would just like slide out. But like. You have a family, you actually go out and like, oh, I'm going to buy actual real tires every, you know, yeah. how many years. Right. Yeah. And so it almost doesn't matter whether the tire works better or not. <laughs> if they tell you it's safer, you're going to buy it. Yeah, that's a good point. But yeah. so you would just start looking down and even let's say I was selling like fluorescent lighting ballast, like some like real nerdy thing. You start just looking on, okay, who's that person buying it, for instance, and maybe this ballast, they don't have to change them as often. And so that like facilities manager isn't coming in this off, you know, cause I had to get one changed, isn't coming in here and having to change it out every six months. Ours, you more relax the facilities manager because you don't have to go around like changing broken lighting yeah. ballasts. Right, concentrate on your work instead of the light bulbs in your yeah. office. I mean, so that, okay, that maybe you're selling productivity. You're selling, you know, because you shouldn't spend your time changing light bulbs in your office. You have bigger problems than, than that. Yeah. So then what's the next step once you kind of establish, okay, here's what we're really selling. How do you start kind of code, like getting that into the DNA of all the different, from the ads to the marketing to even support requests? Like how do you, it's one thing it's you doing it, right? You clearly, you know, have a writing background, have a voice. How do you get everyone else to do that same thing and get on the same page as you? One of the things, like, yeah, so I created a whole process. Like I get it, asked a lot. So I created a whole kind of course to kind of walk people through all this. And I'll, we'll talk about that later. But, but basically, the first thing that you want to do is figure out if you have, could hire a spokesperson for your brand, who would that person be? And it could be living, dead, fictional, whatever. So I talk about Twirly Girl. We wanted it to be Willy Wonka. Uh, but if you had another brand, maybe you decided if you're selling cowboy boots, maybe you decide you want it to be Matthew McConaughey. You know, even though you're never going to hire him, you're never going to use his likeness or his image. That's how you want to talk to your customer and that kind of cool laid back vibe. Hey, man, it's going to be all right. I mean, he's like, he can't be shaken. And so that's how you'd want to talk. You figure out who your spokesperson is. Like I said, you're not going to use his likeness or anything. You're not going to reference him at all. But when you talk to him, you're going to imagine talking to your customer in that voice. Okay. So that's how when you say if you're helping us answer answer our social media posts, answer like basically the way Willy Wonka would and not the way you would as an actual human. So answer like use a character like that. Like you are become that character. Yeah, exactly. And you put that everywhere. You put that one, one thing is once you have your, your branding, you decide what you're really selling. You have to put it everywhere and it has to be that one. You have to sell one thing. It has to be everywhere because no one's paying attention to your marketing the way you are. And so they're going to have to hear it 
over and over before it finally lands and registers with them. They have, you, you have to re- figure out what it is and repeat it everywhere. Yeah, I think most people, they think like every word in the site is read like from top to bottom. Like it's like this book and like people just literally, if you watch, um, what are some of those stuff? Like Hotjar or one of those where you can kind of watch people scroll through the site. They, re- they pretty much read the top like three words and then just scroll, look at some pitches, go up and down real quick and then back, you know, next page, click a link. It's yeah, very, very fast. Yeah. Because they're not, no one cares about your company the way you do. Yeah. So you yeah. basically have that kind of sewn through the fabric of the company so that it's everywhere. So when you're going from, you're seeing a Facebook ad and then three days later, you're actually clicking on a Facebook ad and then you're hitting a landing page. And then, Every, so it has right. to be everywhere. So keep on your repeating. packaging on your order confirmations everywhere. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, oh, so you're going all the way through. So uh, yeah. transactional emails, because- that sort of thing. We get our because we get our order confirmations shared with people. <laughs> they share like imagine buying a product and they're saying that you like it so much that you share that your order confirmation with a friend. I mean, yeah. I mean that's what you should do because that's free advertising. It just, yeah. I mean, the, you have to invest a little bit up front, but after that, you're not paying for it. Well, you think everyone when they buy a uh, when they buy a Tesla that like there's a little confirmation email. It's like a gopher or something like some little creature, and everyone shares that on the web. And you see people screenshot like I bought mine, and like that's like. It's like a badge of honor screenshotting your Tesla confirmation email. Yeah, I bet. Right. I mean, they, they're smart, right? Yeah. So yeah. you said you have a kit where you kind of train people to do this. So what's that look like? Yeah, that happened. I was asked to speak um, at an e-commerce conference and that I was, I'm a member of the group. And so, okay, I, I talk about, you know, branding and how, what I kind of learned and how I brought screenwriting into, into branding. What, what and then, conference? Uh, ECF Live. Okay. E-commerce Fuel Live. Yep. And uh, I've spoken there a couple of times. And then afterwards, people came up to me like, I want to learn more. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to tell you. I'm, <laughs> I'm busy. But they're like, we make a course. And so that took about a year to make a course. And so uh, I created a kind of a little offshoot brand called Cardboard Rocket Chips. And it's based on kind of the brand. Uh, uh, this they're, they're One of our first commercials that went kind of viral. But like we have, like, I think about 10 million people, 10 million people have seen it. So I, the course is that if you go to CardboardRocketChips.com and you sign up, your email, I'll send you a, a little mini course on branding. And then if you like that, you'll maybe you'll, you'll buy in, you know, you'll buy the complete course. Okay. So you get a free, but basically kind of a free, like, okay. So the a free le- mini lesson and then we go deep and that's really for people who ha- like are creative or, and want to do it themselves or, and learn how to do all this, or uh, you're hiring somebody and you want to know what to look for and when you're hiring a writer, because I don't think it's obvious a lot of people are interested in writing, but they don't really, or they say they're writers, but you know, like I work in the industry, a lot of people say they're <laughs> writers. I'm like, you're not a writer, dude. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, not, not all. Just, yeah. Not all created equal when it comes to that. Yeah. Yeah. So some people can do it and, or some people want to learn it. And that's great. And some people we need to hire and this would help you hire it as well. So yeah. yeah writing is like one of those things, like, like I can paint like my wall, but like you watch a professional painter and they, yeah. it's just a different level of like, yeah. they, you know, it would take me the whole day. They can do it in half an hour and they do a part. And same thing with a writer. You watch a professional writer um, or a professional content writer. And what it would literally take me like three days to do, they can do in 45 minutes. And you're like, oh. and it comes out better, which is impressive. Yeah. 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 What is some of the mistakes you see when people are trying to find this voice and get this brand and actually go through this process? What are kind of some things, some issues you see people run into? I think that one of the biggest things is people try to tell too many stories. They don't know what they're selling. So they have a, I want to sell all this. This is all, you know, I want to sell everything. 
And so they don't know what you have to focus on one story and tell that over. You don't want to tell five stories over and over because then you're, you're not you're not you're not clear on your messaging. And you also have to figure out who your customer is and speak to that customer. And it's OK if you're not speaking to everyone, not everyone's your people. I think people got afraid. But what about that person over there? It's like, forget them. That's not your that's not your customer. We're going to talk to you have to find an My, For example, my, my wife uh, owns she drives a Mini Cooper. And so. Uh, she takes it to, to the, you know, she, when she has to service it, we have a guy down, we have a guy down the street she could take it to, but she would much rather pay a little extra money and drive 10 miles away to the mechanic that only services Mini Coopers. He's a specialist in Mini Cooper. Now we know this guy could do any car. Obviously he could do an Audi, BMW, he could do any car, but he's positioned himself as the expert in Mini Cooper. And my wife wants that. She wants the expert. And so by doing that, he's only taught his, when he's advertising, he's only talking to Mini Cooper owners. That's fine. He's getting a much a larger percentage of a, of a smaller pie as opposed to talking to Honda owners. Do you have any tricks on what I feel like happens, right? Because you hear that repeated. You should find your niche, talk directly to those people. But I think most people when they're starting off, their biggest thing is they just don't have order flow. They just don't have enough volume, right? So they think, like, if I cut off anyone, basically my business is going to, like, crash and burn overnight. So, like, the fear of losing that, like, whatever that percent is, is greater than the, um, the want to gaining that, you know, market. So I still, I think if you, if you talk to no, if you, if you try to speak to everyone, you speak to no one. Yeah. And I mean, that's just the way it is. You have to decide who it is, take a guess and you could always change it. You know, if you're wrong, you could always change it. But if you don't, you're dead in the water. Is there a way to, but do you have to go all in on the brand and say, this is, this is the person we're talking to, or is there ways of doing it channel by channel? Like people that are nervous about this. I know. I was just talking to, uh, cause I think everyone has this and they don't want it. They don't want to jump in the pool head first. Everyone's like, uh, but can I just like put a leg in that like, go slowly in the pool? And you're like, I think it's smart to test. I was talking to I was consulting for a brand. They sell, um, she's, she's selling masks and, and they're, but you know, for, you know, for the pandemic, pandemic masks and hers are funny and they have funny things they say on it. But they're very high quality. And so she came up with a brand and she's just testing the waters. And she's just, right now she's getting feedback. And I'm like, well, what's the kind of feedback? Are people loving the, the funny jokes that you're putting in the mask? Or are they loving the quality behind the mask? And she goes, people, to be honest, people are loving the quality of the fabric that I use more so than the, the, the funny jokes. I'm like, well, that's, you're going to have to pivot probably. So she's going to probably have to change the name of her brand and change how she talks to people. Because at first it was just about, it was kind of like a novelty thing. And you're going to have, you know, so yeah, she invested some money in a logo and that's fine. You're going to have to do that, but be willing to accept the fact that you may want to pivot because that's maybe your customers don't want the funny jokes. They want the quality of the, of the fabric you use. And be all right with basically like ripping up yeah. that foundation that you poured and you're going to start. So you're going to start new logo, possibly new, like name, New York, like you would go all the way down to that level. Yeah. So she, but she didn't invest that much to begin with, you know, you invest a bit. It's the cost of doing business, but it's better to pivot now than to, to wait you know, three years from now or whenever, you know, whenever it's too late. Yeah. Well, no, it never gets easier, right? Yeah. I mean, and every, every brand has, pro- I mean, you the same for me, every, every brand has difficulties. So there's nothing unique about it, but entrepreneurs are, you know, a special uh, blend of people. I mean, that's what's so great about it. People just want to try and they're willing to grow and test. Yeah. You know? I like that. Any last it's not easy, before- but it's good. Yeah. Well, it's one of the, and that's scary, right? That's, it's uh, like burning the boats and you're saying, 
ah, we have this bit, you know, we have these masks and they're funny. And do we like keep doing a few funny masks? Do we like split? Like everyone kind of wants to like split their attention because they don't, I feel like everyone has such a hard time doing exactly that piece right there. Yeah. You, it takes a while to figure out what works and what doesn't. And we don't, there's certain channels for Twirly Girl we don't even try. I don't put any energy into because I don't get enough of a return. That's okay. I can focus on the stuff that I know what I'm doing, but it works. Yeah. So, so you just kind of test it over time and realize like, like yeah. LinkedIn probably is not your go-to yeah, channel. Yeah. LinkedIn, Pinterest didn't work. And yeah, certain, yeah. Don't bother on certain platforms. Even Amazon doesn't work that well for us. So, you know. Yeah. I could, well, you could see that, right? Because people on Amazon, like, you sort by lowest it's price. A, it's price point. It's price point. Yeah. yeah. And like, if you already have the brand, sometimes they'll go into search on Amazon. But if you don't have that brand, then, you know, like maybe I'll buy my GoPro on Amazon because I know GoPro and I just want like two, like one day shipping. But like GoPro built their brand off Amazon and now they just fulfill it through Amazon. That's just one of, they just want to be on that sales channel. But if you were just competing against other video cameras, if you were just like, you know, Michael's video, like on Amazon, that'd be a tough way to build the brand. It sounds like. Yeah. I, I think most of the people who order us on Amazon are our own customers anyway. And so we're always toying with, well, is it time to get rid of Amazon? Is, is it worth it? And right now it's, it's fine. It's right at this point we can keep it. It doesn't hurt us, but uh, you know, if it went away, I'd be fine. Because, well, because you lose margin there, right? So that's the other, but it's also our customers. And so they yeah. we even charge a little more for the same exact dress on Amazon. We have to, because Amazon takes a big cut. Yeah. So, but some people feel more comfortable buying it on Amazon, even though it costs more money. Yeah. So. And you hear that's why a lot of brands, that's why like GoPro, for example, they have to like, everyone has to sell on there. So just because people look on Amazon for products. Yeah. All right. Okay. Any last kind of words of wisdom before I let you go? Uh, no. I mean, if anybody's interested in learning more, the free mini course and sign up, it's, it's free. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can't hurt. Okay. So. I'll definitely link to that in the show notes and uh, appreciate yeah. everything. I'll throw a link to Twirly Girl on there and thanks a lot yeah, for coming on you. today. Yeah. Thank you. Twirlygirlshop.com. And, and if they want to follow me as a writer, I'm on Facebook as Michael Jammin Writer. And I often, I, uh, you know, I also have a screenwriting course they can get into if they want, whatever they want. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. I will yeah. link to all that down the yeah, bottom. Thank you. Yeah. All right, Charles. Thank you for having me, man. <laughs>